Welcome, church. So good to see you guys online this morning. Uh, again, I think somebody mentioned it, but we are filming, streaming live from the Youth Center today, and that's because the Worship Center has been a big, giant bedroom, like a hundred cots. And so we've been had, had people sleeping in there for the last six days, and so we just popped over here, and I'll tell you a little more about that later. But, you know, Monday morning, I got up. It was a day like any other day, and I read the news, and I said, oh, there's a little flooding going on. And so I texted Becky and I said, hey, we should do some soup, a couple pots of soup and you know, have people come in and use the Wi-Fi and just dry out and have some soup, right? It'd be, it'd be great to do that. And so I texted Sean and I said, hey, put up a couple tables. There'll be a few people maybe stopping in. And so we posted it and we said we were going to be open from nine to five. And then Gary Viss, who you saw on the video this morning, calls me and says, hey, Kurt, can you extend that like an hour or two? I said, Sure. Well, here we are, six days later, and it's been a great ride. I'll tell you what, there have been so many people pouring it out. It's been so fun. We've been running, really, a full-on evacuation center since Monday night, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today uh, because, really, it fits perfectly the scripture that we're looking today in 1 John 3. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 John 3, that's where we're going to be today. But as you know, this week, hundreds and hundreds of people had to leave their homes some lost everything. Uh, some of them are members of our church. They go here. They're active here. And many left their homes with nothing but their clothes on their body or maybe just a bag. Uh, everyone I know from church, from here, from North County, everybody I know that had to move out moved in with friends or moved in with family, and so they were all taken care of. But the people we served in our worship center this week had nowhere to go. They had no one to be with. They had no family. They had no friends that they could go to. And as they came in out of the cold, some of them wet, uh, you could tell they were afraid, they felt helpless, they felt hopeless, they were homeless. You know, their lives had really been swept away in this current. And we served over the last six days the most vulnerable and helpless people from the floods. And we loved doing it. It was amazing. So many people helped. And that's what John's writing about in 1 John 3 verse 1. He says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. And you know, that line really really grabbed my attention this week as I was reading it. See what kind of love. And I started thinking about what kind of love is it that God likes and that God wants us to be giving to people. See what kind of love. And first of all, I thought, you know, the love that serves. I've got my serving tag on still. I thought I'd wear it this morning. It's got my name on it. Um, but people came by the dozens to help us serve uh, in this evacuation center. Some of our staff, but really a lot of volunteers from other places, other churches. A lot of people were here and they'd work a full shift. Some people would work double shifts. Some people were here 14, 15 hours a day. Uh, some people were working their full-time jobs and then coming and doing the midnight shift, you know, the graveyard for security. It was just amazing what I saw. And through this last week, some of the things that happened is we fed people three meals a day, beautiful meals. Some of the restaurants kicked in, and I'll tell you about that. But nurses were here, and they did health checks. Uh, we gave rides. Hundreds of people donated things. The line of cars passed our worship center was like unending for a couple of hours and people were just bringing stuff and stuff and stuff and we would post something, can you bring some of these? And immediately we'd have a hundred of those, right? And we'd, stop, stop, that's enough, no more, no mas, no mas, right? And uh, it was a lot, just a lot of stuff was donated. 
We played with kids that were there. We shared meals with our guests, sat at the tables with them. We listened to their stories. Security stayed all night long to keep our guests comfortable, to make them feel safe. And then there were those people who gave money to pay for it all. Donations of all kinds came in. I could go on and on and on, but really what happened was that your worship center became a giant bedroom with about 100 cots and mattresses. Our biggest night was 70 people sleeping right here in our church worship center. See what kind of love the Father has has given to us that we could become the children of God and that we could love like God. It's an honor, it's a privilege to do so as a church. Selfless love, selfless love, compassionate love, love that cares, love that asks the question, what would it be like to all of a sudden not have a home and have to depend on somebody to help me? What would that be like? Like We don't think about that, but that's exactly what happened with these people. What would it be like to have to be rescued by a boat or by a tractor with a big bucket? What would that be like? You know, How would I feel? Now, I think many of us in our church, we have family, we have friends, we have small groups, we have people that we could be with and go to, but not these people. These people had no one. I talked with one guy. He had moved up from California. Um, you know, he, he had money. It was not like he was poor or anything like that. But he lived in an RV there, and he, lived, he has a boat in the harbor, but it was on dry dock, and so he was stuck. His, he couldn't get his truck, so he was stuck wherever they dropped him off, which was right here at North County. And so here he was, and he was so thankful for you, for our church, for us. It was amazing. So what a privilege it is to become God's children, and how amazing it is to experience his love and then to be able to hug people, you know, with the love of God through service, through helping them. Um, what that really is, is that means that we take on his nature. Because really only God can love like this, right? And then he imparts that to us. And really what happens when you receive Christ is you get a new DNA. You get the character of, of God. The scripture says you get the seed of God in your life. And his character begins to emerge through you. And you love like him because he has shared his spirit with you. That's why. That's why. You have God's spirit in you. And so you begin to love more like him every day. How good is that, right? How good is that? So number one in your notes, God's love changes our nature and our desires. He changes our nature and our desires, and we become his children. Now, there was a whole nother group, hundreds and hundreds of people that deployed to flooded homes around Whatcom County on Monday and Tuesday. And if you're on social media, you will see story after story after story, remarkable stories of rescues of people who have helped others. And many of you who I'm talking to today, you did all you could do to help others. And, and so I asked the question, why would you do that? Why would you go out there all night long in the pouring rain and help people? And I think it's this. I think it's because you couldn't stand to stay home in a warm, dry home, knowing there were people out there in the cold, driving rain in the floods. And so you, you were compelled by love to leave your home and to get into whatever boat or tractor or whatever it was, kayak, that you had and go rescue people. And that's the love of God in you. That's what drives you to do that. Why? Because that's what God's children do. And those people are your brothers and they're your sisters. And so you simply help them. It says, Beloved, we are his children now. Today, right now, this moment, you are his child. And so when somebody needs help, you help them when? 
Not tomorrow, not next week. You help them now. You help them now because they need help now. So here's just some questions I was thinking about as I thought through what you all did. Uh, why would you give up your Saturday to muck out somebody's house or carry you know, sheetrock to the dumpster? Well, because you're God's child. Why would you turn our worship center into a giant bedroom so that we have to stream from the youth building? And, you know, why would you do that? Well, because we're God's child. We're God's child. Why would you stay up all night just to watch over people that you've never met before all night long and then go to work in the morning? Well, because you're God's child. They're your brother and sister. Why would somebody walk up to us and hand us a check for $10,000 and say, this is for the laundry? (laughs) blew my mind well because they're God's child and that's what they wanted to do why would someone be here all day every day checking people in organizing the clothes that came because they're God's child why would restaurant owners like Fairway and Jake's and Infusion call us and say we want to cook you dinner we want to cook all those people dinner and then they would deliver dinner here That's why nobody wanted to leave. (laughs) Food was so amazing. I don't want to leave. I think I just move into the church. I'm getting a little bit, you know, around the middle here. It's going on. Why would my friend Jeff, who lives in Idaho, call me up and say, Kurt, I want to deliver 24 Westside pizzas to your place there and and feed the people? Well, because he's God's child, right? You, You get the drift. When you're God's child, you do things that you probably wouldn't do if you weren't God's child. And I could go on and on, but the the reason is that God's love changes our nature on the inside. We become different. There are things that you're doing today because you're God's child that you didn't do or wouldn't have thought of doing 10 or 20 years ago. But you're loving differently today because God's love has changed you. If you're like me, you know, when you get done working at the end of the day, you want to be home you know, with your feet up on your recliner, watching some TV or, or what have you, and relaxing, right? So what would drive you to go out and leave all that and get all wet and nasty and dirty and grimy? Because you have God's nature in you. That's why. I know that on Saturday, many of you desired to be home watching football. College football was on. There were some good games, eating pizza. But instead, you went out to Sumas or Everson or Nooksack or wherever and you carried around, you know, wet sheetrock and all kinds of nasty stuff, got dirty and dingy. Like over a thousand people converged on these towns. Why? Well, for some people, it's just they, they want to do good. They're, they're goodwill people, and that's great. Maybe they don't know Christ, but for you, I believe it's because you're God's child. So John goes on to verse 2, and he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. He's saying that that one day, you're not only going to practice and strive to be God's child, but you're going to actually be perfected and be like Christ. When you come face to face with him, he's going to entirely change you so that you're like him. Okay, I'm waiting for that day. I don't know about you. We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So again, why do we do what we do? Why did this week bring the best out in people? Why did you go around giving people big God hugs through your acts of service? Well, it's because you're God's children now. And when you place your hope in becoming like Christ one day, it affects today. Like it's not just about eternity in the sweet by and by. 
No, that impacts how you live today. And it's not because you think you should. It's because you want to. Your desires change. So it's loving God and loving others that actually brings this purification to our lives and makes us more like Jesus. Simply living out of our new nature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What that really means is, now I love like Jesus. It doesn't mean I do it perfectly or you do it perfectly. But it does mean that that's the bent of my life. That's the bent of your life. If you have a chance to love, I hope that you will take that chance to love. So the Spirit in us gives us these new desires. He helps us overcome our selfish desires, our things that we'd really like to do, because we realize somebody has a greater need than we have to do what we wanted to do. So all we need to do is let this new desire from God, this desire to love, this desire to make a difference in someone's life, overcome our old selfish nature. Paul said it like this in Galatians 5.17. He said, The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Listen, everybody wants to stay home and be comfortable. I get that. So do I. I want to stay home and be comfortable. It's my nature. But it's the people who allow the character and nature of God living in them to overcome the selfish desire. It doesn't mean it's wrong to be comfortable or stay home or that there's not a day to do that. Everybody should relax. I get it. But for those of you who let God's nature overcome that desire and you drove out to Everson or Sumas or Ferndale or, or down to the Hampton Road here in Linden, had some serious flooding down there, you know, you loved people that have lost everything. And that is such a beautiful thing. So let me be clear. The sinful nature that we struggle with, that's the selfish nature. That's where I place myself and what I think is important for me, I place that above everybody else's needs, right? That's the selfish nature. So what I want to do is to place their needs above my selfish nature. That's what I want to do. So Galatians 5.16 says, Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And Galatians 5.24 those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions, have nailed the passions, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful, or I say selfish, nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And the Spirit's leading is always, always, always leading to love. Always. If you ever have any question about what you should do, if it's loving... If it's to the benefit and the value, adding value to someone's, someone's life, then that's probably the Spirit saying, yes, go do that, right? Brings us to number two today. What we do reveals who is in us. What we do reveals who is in us. You know, everybody who served here over the last six days, and there were tons of people, but there were way more people helping in the valley. I can tell you, when they got up Monday or they got up Wednesday, they probably had other plans, right? They had things they were going to do. I did. I'm sure you had things you were going to do. You didn't get up Monday morning and say, hey, I think I'll rescue a bunch of people today from the floodwaters. I mean, that didn't cross your mind. I think I'll shovel some mud out of homes. No, the Spirit had to help you make the choice to overcome those other plans that you had. Again, those plans aren't wrong. 
But sometimes there's something that supersedes our plans, right? And it's called loving others. So when you have Christ in you, when you live by the Spirit, you don't live just for yourself. But you live for your brother and for your sister. And the way you do that is you, you nail that sinful nature, that selfish nature to the cross. You nail it there. And boy, it dies hard. <laughs> it dies hard because we all want what we want. I do. I want what, what I want as well. Um, but, but what you're doing when you're nailing that selfish nature to the cross is it'll help you get out of your recliner and actually do what you want to do. Because you want to. You want to help. You want to love. And that's what we've seen people doing this week, even putting their own lives at risk. Like I heard stories of people in boats that it was dicey. They were in trouble. And they were doing it to help others. And, and this is sacrificial love. And, and I want to talk about this for a second because this is a kind of love that's most like God, okay? Sacrificial love is most like God. It's in God's nature, starting with the sacrifice system that he put in place for the Jews. And, well, actually started really with Adam and Eve, you know, when he provided them with animals, animal skins for their clothing. That was the first sacrifice. But then the sacrificial system, but then when, he, when it came to Christ, that in God's nature is this idea that love is so profound that I'll lay down my life for you. That's what I will do for you. So God is sacrificial in his love. And Jesus proved this about God when he died on the cross. So get this. Don't let that horn bother you. I hear it too. Somebody want to shut that door? Actually, that'd be great. So get this. God is sacrificial in his love. Okay, listen. God is sacrificial in his love. So the the love that's most like Christ is when you have to lay something down to do it. That's the love that's most like Christ. So true love, true love, is going to hurt a little bit, is what I'm saying. Sacrificial love is going to cost you something. It may cost you a comfortable night at home. It may cost you some cash. You know, it may cost you some sleep. It may cost you some emotional bandwidth. But true love is going to cost you something, and that is what makes you most like Christ. Because it costs him everything. Everything. And God wants us to be like Jesus. So something will be nailed to the cross in your life to reveal who is in you. And let me just talk a little bit about this, because this week cost us something as a church. There were plans that we had that we had put in place months ago. There were things on the calendar that we were going to do and we just basically had to say, we're not going to do that. Not this week. You know, we had a whole filming day planned on Monday, and we had just canceled it. We just canceled it. We had everybody in place to do this filming plan, and we said, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to cancel it. If it costs us the, the video at the Christmas concert, this is worth it. This is love, right? This is love. You, you got entertainment, or you have the chance to love. And so we said going to cancel it. So we canceled it. Uh, we canceled the ability for you to be in church today, all together as people. Why, why did we do that? Because there are still people that slept in our worship center last night. We're down to about 20, 23. And we did not feel like waking them up at six o'clock in the morning and making them get their beds out would be loving so that we could make noise. <laughs> <laughs> so that we could sing loud. And we said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to ask the whole church to sacrifice in-person service so that these people can sleep their last night here undisturbed. These are people that were flooded out of their homes 
We don't want to cause any more, you know, interruption than we have to in their life. This is their last night here. We're already moving them somewhere else, which is hard enough, right? So what good is it to sing songs of love to God when we've <laughs> made people who've been traumatized get up and move their beds at six in the morning? So here we are. Here we are. We have sacrificial love in our church. So everyone's at home today, almost everyone, um, having church at home. And this has contributed to the well-being of some people sleeping in our worship center. So 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning, or I call that lovelessness, that's what I call sinning in this context, lovelessness, also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin or lovelessness. In Christ... There is no lovelessness, okay? No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or has known him. So what John is saying here is that lawlessness is sin, and I would, I would redefine it to say that sin is really selfishness. It's whenever I put myself first at you know, the, the, the risk of hurting somebody, I guess that's a good way to say it. Um, the idea that life is all about me, that my life is more important than your life, that's what that would be saying. And Jesus, if you, if you look at the life he lived, he responded to need. Jesus was constantly uh, making the lives of others more important than his own. Constantly. To the point of, of you know, just being exhausted. Where he'd have to sneak off and find a place to just get restored. So there is a time for restoration, by the way. But he would have to do that, right? And, and so do we. But Jesus would heal people. Jesus would cast out demons. Jesus would feed people. And it, it cost him something. But what I wanted to point out is that, is that sometimes there's competing needs. There's competing needs. And, and sometimes you have to make a choice about what need you're going to meet today. And maybe you can't meet this one because you're going to meet this one. And then you have to decide which one is the most important that day, right? And we have to do that all the time here at North County. And you do too in your own life. So the point is, the point is, is you... You pick something and you help. You pick something and you do it. You ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If you can't help physically, maybe you can help financially. If you can't help financially, maybe you can pray. Uh, this came across our path now. If you're wondering what you can do out there to help people restore their homes, we've got this amazing ministry in town now called Samaritan's Purse. Big, giant semi-parked semi out at Sunlight Church. And you can actually sign up. The link is going to go on the screen, on your screen right now. You can sign up, and, or you can call them. And what they're going to do is they're going to put you on a team, and they're going to help you, help them uh, tear out stuff and wash stuff and spray stuff. And so you can be a part of a team. So just if you want to do something and you just don't know what to do, get a hold of Samaritan's Purse, and they will help you be a part of this restoration. It'll be a lot, and you'll meet some cool people from around the, the nation as well. They're all here. They're all volunteers that come uh, to areas that have been damaged, and they do this restoration. So that'd be cool. So what is the law of love, or the law of God? The law of God is the law of love. You know, uh, he, Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So lawlessness is lovelessness. It's lovelessness. Uh, Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin, 
And then he gives us the desire to love others more than ourselves. And we get to live lives. See, this, this impacts our relationships with one another. We get to live lives where we get to practice loving each other. We get to listen to one another. We get to hear one another's stories. Uh, we get to learn to really care about one another, to know one another deeply. And it's a wonderful thing to build those relationships in love. And, and that's just awesome. And that's loving our brothers and sisters, you, us, uh, loving our brothers and sisters in what they need in their time of need. So what sin is, is to not love when a brother needs to be loved. That's what sin is. You might, like me, do a self-check over the next couple of months and keep checking. Am I being loving? Am I sacrificially getting out there and helping these people rebuild their lives? So when we abide in Christ and the Holy Spirit leads our life, we have a new law in our life. It's called the law of love. And we, we practice we practice this law. And so number two is, again, what we do reveals who is in us. That brings us to number three, our last point today. We practice what we've become. You've become righteous in Christ, right? So we practice what we've become, and we become what we practice. My basketball coach used to say, perfect practice makes perfect. You know, some people say practice makes perfect. No, not if you're practicing the wrong things. Perfect practice makes perfect. So you practice your righteousness in Christ. I think what I want to say is that, let's be honest, we all practice something every day. Every day we practice something. Uh, either it's a discipline or, or, or it's laziness or you know, we practice cooking or we practice, you know what I mean? We're all practicing something. And so we have to ask ourselves, what am I practicing? Because I'm going to become what I practice. And so if you want to be like Christ, then you've got to start to practice love. So it takes a choice. It takes a decision. You have to make the decision to practice love. And the great thing about this is, if you've not been good at practicing love, you can change that today. You can make a decision right now that you're going to practice love today. What's that going to look like for you? What are you going to do? Who are you going to call? Are you going to call somebody and just say, hey, I'm praying for you? I'm for you? Are you going to drive out to their house and say, what can I do? I've got two hours. Give me something to do, you know? Um, all those ways that you can love, you've got to practice. So you can change today what you practice. And I believe that this is one of the greatest opportunities to love one another that we've had in a while. I mean, there is, I don't know how many. I, I'm going to ask at the end of the service for people to let us know if your house was damaged so that we can, you know, help people go. I know that small groups already are coming around their small groups and helping, but this, this is such a great opportunity for us to practice love and practice care to help people rebuild their lives. I mean, think about, like, even today, you can stay home and watch your favorite football team lose. I'm not going to name any names. Or you could go out for just a couple of hours and make a difference. Or you could record the game and watch it later. Right? So, again, it comes back to this idea of what am I going to practice today? Because I'm going to become what I practice. Well, John finishes up this scripture that we're looking at today in verse 7, 7 through 10. So let me just read it to you. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he, Christ, is righteous. But whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. I want you to get that. 
We're talking about practice here. It doesn't mean you're not going to maybe fall and fail from time to time. But if you're born of God, if you have his seed, his nature in you, you cannot practice sinning. So then you have to ask the question, am I born of God? Right? That's a hard question. So there should be ways that you're advancing in your life and winning over the practice of sin because, he has, because you've been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone want to be a child of the devil? Anybody? No. Uh, but, but that's what he calls them, right? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So, so John is giving us really a pretty solid way of understanding whether you're a child of God. And really what he's saying is if you're a child of God, you're going to love your brother and your sister in Christ. He's talking to the church. So this is even beyond the love your neighbor thing. This is love your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And, and then you have those children of the devil <laughs> who don't do that. I was thinking about this. I, I heard so many stories this week from people and what they went through. And, and this one struck me. It just kind of made me angry. Um, Jennifer and Dexter, Dexter plays drums here almost every Sunday. They lost everything. Like their home is demolished, destroyed. It's on Main Street, Everson. And they pulled up to, to their completely trashed home the other day. They were going to stop and just pick, try, see if they could find some, salvage some important objects, right? Some pictures or toys or, or things that maybe they could get out that were worth something emotionally to them. And when they pulled in, do you know what they found? They found somebody had backed a trailer in, and they were there, and they were stealing stuff out of their house that had been trashed by a flood. The, the few things that might still hold a little bit of value for them, somebody was there taking. And I, as I read the scripture, I thought, that sounds like a child of the devil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was mad. Who does that? Who does that? But, but here's what I want us to think. We can kind of bring this home to us. I'm not calling us child, children of the devil, okay? But... But here's how we can bring it home. If I have something that I can give or something that I can do to help a brother or help a sister, and I withhold that, I withhold that from them, then, then here's what I think, like watching their kids so they can go clean their house or getting my own hands dirty or bringing them lunch or something, and I withhold it. In my mind, and I'll say this to me, I'm robbing them of a blessing that God wants to give them through me. God wants to love them through me. God wants me to be his arms that hold them and that give them this blessing, whatever it may be. And, and he wants to do that for me. And when I refuse to do that, I'm robbing them of God's blessing, of God's love. You see, it's, it's a sacred thing that we have the opportunity as children of God to love our brothers and sisters that way. And, and then for me, if I don't do that thing, I'm not advancing in my practice of becoming like Christ and loving like God. So it means you have to make a choice. And again, it can be sacrificial. It may mean you have to lay something down, but I have to choose somebody's need over my own comfort. One of the stories that just struck me as we helped these people this week was it was Monday night. It was the first day, the first night, and there's a young nurse in our church named Winter. And she works down at Skagit Valley Hospital and she was scheduled to work the night shift, but she couldn't go because the roads were bad. So she called in sick, or not sick, called in, couldn't make it. And, you know, most 20-something 
kids would say, oh, great, I have a night off. I can sleep in, right? I can go to bed. I, I can do whatever. I don't have to go to work. Do you know what she did and Jessica, her friend, did? They came here at about 9 or 10 o'clock, and they said, hey, we can work the night shift, and we will just kind of assess people and see where they're at. So they come in, and they start making the rounds, started assessing people, and they came across this one person, an uh, elderly person in their 70s probably, and they had been rescued from a vehicle in Everson. The water, was, the water actually ended up pushing the vehicle off the street. And, and Winter, as she assessed them, found that they didn't have their meds. All the medication that they took was home and no way to get them. So she made a list, and when I got in at 5 in the morning, she said, here, Pastor Kurt, here's a list of the meds this person needs. Um, can you call their doctor? And I thought, well, I can one-up that. I can get my wife to call their doctor because <laughs> she's a nurse, and she knows how to do this. She does it all the time. So Gwen came over that morning, did the assessment, called the doctor. Uh, the doctor put in the prescription for a local pharmacy here. And one of the prescriptions was a Schedule One drug, which means that you can't get it without a hard copy of the prescription because it's like street drugs kind of stuff. And so uh, we had a lady in Bellingham that actually grabbed the hard copy and brought it to us. So I go over to the pharmacy, and after having to go get some information from this person, went back, they gave me the drugs, you know. So your pastor has bought a Schedule One drug and put it on the church credit card. I just want you to know... <laughs> that I did that. I told Dave this. I said, hey, there's going to be a charge for Oxy on the credit card, so it's not mine. It's this guy's. But my point of the story is, and we don't know, winter might have saved this guy's life because some of these meds were pretty important, six or seven meds. And winter might have saved his life by making the choice to say, I'm going to forego my night off, and rather I'm going to go down to the church and I'm going to help these people beautiful. What a beautiful expression of love. So we practice what we become and we become what we practice. So in Christ, you're righteous. So you want to practice righteousness so that you become that in your own expression of his love and grace through you. And in so doing, you overcome selfishness and you love others. Let me close with these two scriptures. Philippians 2.12 Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important here it is, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him or to love others. And then I, I love this passage. James, brother of Jesus, wrote this to us when he said, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? In other words, is that really faith? He's not saying you're saved by works, but he's saying, is it really faith if you don't have works, right? And uh, then he says, if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, which was all of these people, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I would love to close our time together by praying for our, our people that are going through hard times right now, lifting them up, and praying for us, each person that still has a dry house, that we would love the way Jesus wants us to love. So would you bow your heads, let me pray with you, and we'll close with one more song. 
Oh, Father, first of all, I just thank you so much that you have not abandoned us. You have not left your people. You love us. And for reasons we don't understand, we go through storms and floods. And that happens in our lives. And that doesn't mean that you don't love us. It doesn't mean that you've withdrawn your blessing from us, God. It it sometimes means that you're going to do something actually beautiful through it. And I know it's a high price to pay, and I know people are hurting right now, but Lord, to see the expression and the outpouring of love from the community has been powerful. And so we thank you for that. But Lord, I I do want to lift up our brothers and sisters who are struggling and have lost so much, God, and, and lift them up and pray, Lord, that they would sense your presence, feel your comfort, and they would be surrounded by brothers and sisters who love them well. We pray for that, God. And I pray for us as a church community that you would help us to love well, help us to practice the right things and to give our lives to make a difference for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close with one more song.